Hello and welcome to a joint edition of the A's Plus and Giants Splash podcast. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. And I'm Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser. Thank you, Susan. Welcome. Well, we've reached the all-star break of the 2019 season, and we have two teams that find themselves in entirely different places. Now, the listeners seem to enjoy the joint podcast we did from the winter meetings back in December, so we thought we would do another one and talk about the Giants and A's at the midseason point in, uh, in this special episode, and we will get started right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Henry Schulman back here with Susan Slusser on the Joint Ace Plus and Giant Splash podcast. And Susan, one thing I, I noticed that's funny, we're recording this a couple of days actually before the break. Um, and I noticed that at this point, the A's are exactly nine games over 500. The Giants are exactly nine games over 500. So we got some pretty good symmetry going here. I think you mean under 500 there for the Giants. What did I say? Did I you say over? Her. That's kind oh. of wishful thinking, I think. I, I yeah, no, the Giants are nine. Yes, yes, the Giants <laughs> The Giants are nine games under 500. The A's are nine games over. And this, we're off to a roaring start here. <laughs> uh, uh, but the A's really, uh, I want to start off with the A's because the A's have been playing good ball. I saw a couple of games when I filled in for you against the Rays not too long ago. And, and I can see that the, uh, the A's have made quite a push here in the last three weeks or so. What, what's going on there? Well, you know, amazingly, a lot of it is the starting pitching, which we never would have guessed at the beginning of the season. You probably remember even as far back as the winter meetings when we were talking, the A's really felt like they needed some starting pitching. They really, you know, they brought Mike Fires back after uh, non-tendering him. And they bring in Marco Estrada, who's been a non-factor because of a back injury. And that's pretty much it. You know, they, they re-signed Brett Anderson. He's been terrific. Um, and we thought, okay, Edwin Jackson, they've got him back. He's going to be a factor. They let him go. So uh, it's really been kind of a piecemeal rotation, a little bit like last year, Mike Fires and a bunch of other guys. And they've come on really strong, uh, especially, you know, in the wake of Frankie Montas, who had been their ace. He gets suspended for 80 games. The, the rest of the rotation is just carried right on as if, you know, nothing had happened and, and they're just fine. The ERA for the rotation is right around three, I think three, two, three, something like that. Uh, they've given up two runs or less 17 times in the last 23 games. They're, they're really, uh, they're really a strength of the team. I never would have guessed that. And, of course, the flip side is the bullpen has been the problem, and we never would have guessed that, even though, of course, I think everyone knows bullpens are very hard to project from year to year. To year. Uh, going from a sort of a record-setting bullpen last year to really uh, a, a tough one this year, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Yeah, you know, I, I was actually uh, there the day that Montas got suspended. Uh, I covered that game for you. Well, the day I covered the game that he pitched and then I covered the day after. And, you know, that's one of those things that um, you, you think, right, your, your first impression is that that is going to be a killer. And I made this point to some, some ace folks uh, back then 
that in 2012, the Giants lost Melky Cabrera to that suspension, uh, to the drug suspension for the rest of the season. Uh, and it happened with six weeks left to go in the season. And the Giants were sort of middle of the pack right then. And they held a meeting after that meeting. And they just sort of decided that we can win this thing without Melky Cabrera. We're, we're good enough to win without him. So we're all just going to come together. You know, the whole next man up thing. I heard the term next man up a whole bunch of time with, uh, times with the A's. Um, and, and it really seems to have come together. And it's just weird how that works in baseball, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, the A's had a similar situation in 2012 with Bartolo Colon. And at the same time, they also lost Brandon McCarthy, who, you know, hit in the head by a line drive. They had a couple other injuries in the rotation. Uh, they brought up a bunch of kids, Dan Straley and A.J. Griffin and, and guys like that. And they kind of sailed right into the, the postseason, even without them. So uh, it can be done. Uh, and right now, the A's have guys stepping up. Now, the, the one that we will get to the Giants, I promise, Giants listeners, the, the one final, kind of real bummer for the A's was they were expecting to get Jesus Lazardo into the rotation. He was going to be in right after the All-Star break, no doubt about that. Uh, and now he's got a lat strain. Um, I'm starting to wonder if we will see him this year, but you know, the A's are looking at like, that's almost making a trade, right? You bring in a, a lights out lefty, a top young prospect in the game, uh, right around mid season, that could be a big lift for a team. And now, you know, I think they'll be get lucky if they get him back in late August or early September. Uh, and, uh, that that's, uh, potentially changes the dynamics a little bit, but Sean and I might be back sometime in a, in about a month or so. So that, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a strange yeah, as always, you, you just never know with pitchers. There's injuries, there's weird stuff. Suspensions you don't want to see from your ace. You know, Montas was looked like he was going to be the A's all-star, uh, and now he's on. But the, the A's are still showing some fortitude here. Now, do you have to tell me what's going on with the Giants? Because I have not had to fill in for you on the Giants yet. And all I really know from across the bay is they've struggled to score, the, score runs, uh, and they've got some interesting guys who might be available via trade. So I think that... Uh, you know, in the next month or so, we might be talking about maybe the A's looking at some of those those guys over there. Interesting guys in trade. Hmm, I never really thought mm. about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, the Giants, uh, we were, uh, really had a funny week here uh, just before the All-Star break. The Giants just all of a sudden um, went on a four-game hitting rampage. They, they beat the Diamondbacks at home in the last game of the last homestand. Then they went down to San Diego, where they've never really played well. And uh, they just they just whomped the Padres. They ended up scoring, uh, I believe it was forty. Uh, I'm sorry, thirty runs in four games. And and now I've got people on my Twitter timeline going, "Hey, you know what? We're only six and a half out now. Do you think that maybe uh, we'll we'll be buyers at the deadline instead of sellers at the deadline?" And uh, I, I you know I, I have to go like, "Whoa, hold your horses a little bit." Um, so I mean, the Giants definitely are hitting better. The Giants are definitely. Um, becoming a more interesting team to watch. Alex Dickerson, who came over from the Padres, has, has really been a shot in the arm. Um, they pitched a lot better in June than they did in, in May and April, or May specifically. They actually had a winning June, crazily enough. But, uh, you know, the Giants are still, uh, you know, the Giants are still struggling. And they, uh, they came home from that, uh, that great three-game sweep of the Padres and uh, they they got they got beat nine to four yesterday by the Cardinals in the in the first game of the homestand. So yeah, they're you look at the numbers six games out, six and a half of the wild card. But you look like every team in the league is ahead of them in the standings, except the uh, the Marlins and believe it or not, the Mets. Um, so that brings us, you know, what we talk about at the trade deadline, just like you alluded to. Giants really have to be sellers, I would think. I mean, unless uh, 
unless they really think they can win next year and they want to sign some of these guys to extensions, um, they have a left-hander by the name of Madison Bumgarner. Uh, they have a left-handed reliever by the name of Will Smith, who um, has not blown a save. He's 22 for 22, as uh, as I say this. They've got a couple of other pieces. And, um, you know, we've been talking, I think you and I have actually talked about this at the winter meeting, Susan, the, the prospect that the Giants and A's could actually do a trade now that um, you have uh, Farhan Zaidi, uh, the former A's uh, front office exec, is running the Giants. He's still very close with Billy and David and all those guys. Could you imagine the A's um, actually making a run for Madison Bumgarner? Well, you know what? I, I can. I think it's a little bit of a long shot. Uh, the A's have not made a major deal for a starting pitcher since 2014. I kind of remember how that went. You know, the Marge deal was great. Uh, the John Lester deal, maybe a little less so. Uh, Bumgarner, you, you got to think the A's are at least intrigued, given their needs, given the Montas suspension, uh, the fact that Farhan is over there. Uh, I, I kind of like it. Uh, and, and plus, we all know that Madison Bumgarner comes with that sort of ferocity on the mound. You know, he's a leader. He's done it. He's been there. He's a competitor. Uh, I, I think he could fit in very well. Uh, and he wouldn't even have to move. So that would be nice for him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it would be tough. It would, it would be tough, I think. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of the players actually, a lot of the Giants players actually live out in Contra Costa, but I don't think he's one of them. You could, could imagine if they traded somebody who lives in Contra Costa, it could actually shorten his commute. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I think I know what you're saying. I I, uh, I mean, the A's modus operandi has really been, um, if you'll pardon my Latin attempt, uh, their M.O. Hey, there you go. The, the, the MO has really been the bolster of the bullpen. We saw what they did last year with all these big, all these big time arms they brought in for the bullpen. Um, you think maybe Will Smith could actually be a more realistic uh, uh, target for the uh, A's? Well, I think Liam Hendricks' emergence, and now he's a, an American League All-Star as of yesterday, uh, I think that probably limits that possibility. Uh, I think the A's are committed now to Hendricks as the closer, and if it's not him, it goes back to Trinan, who, is, as everyone knows, has really struggled this year. But what he did last year uh, gives him certainly at least a little bit of a benefit of the doubt if the A's were to have a need there. Um, and, and I think Hendricks becoming the closer and trying and Trevino being sort of seventh, eighth inning guys, it goes back to being a little bit, uh, you know, sort of a, a better situation laid out seventh, eighth, ninth. They, they know their roles, uh, et cetera. Um, I still think the A's will look, but I don't think they need to spend big, give up, you know, a major prospect for a bullpen arm. I think they'll look for, you know, maybe a left-hander. That's probably their biggest need not a closer, uh, but maybe a situational lefty uh, and not have to uh, spend the farm to do it. Yeah, you know, Will Smith, uh, I mean, he he's a lefty who can get righties out, as he's shown throughout his season here as the uh, Giants closer. But, I mean, I think that Farhan views uh, Bumgarner and uh, Smith as uh, – a couple of good ships, uh, and you know they're both free agents at the end of the year, so that always kind of raises the eyebrows of any acquiring team. Uh, but you know, there, and there's just so many teams out there who are like in the A's situation, and, and who knows by the time uh, you're listening to this podcast, the A's actually could be in the second or even the, I think even the first wild card yeah, spot, yeah, right? They're, yeah, uh, they're, yeah, they're, so, they're going back in the first wild card spot. Yeah, so um, you know, you 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 never know. I mean, uh, and I and I see that uh, you know about I don't know six and a half something like that behind the Astros, and uh, you just wonder if they might be uh, might feel that uh, 
I mean, they could might want to make a run at the division. I mean, you think that's possible? And and the reason I ask from the Giants' perspective um, is, uh, I mean, you know, the look, the the A's have had a couple of wild card games that haven't worked out well. Um, you need that one pitcher to go in there and pitch uh, pitch that wild card game. Um, and you just wonder if, uh, I mean, do you think they might want to, uh, do you think they have a, a shot at, at going for the division? I, I think they would love it. Uh, you know, the Astros are so loaded. I think realistically, the A's look at, at the Astros and their roster and, uh, and think like, that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, it's not comparable. The Astros are, are the best team on paper in, in the league, really, to my mind. I mean, they're, you know, obviously the Yankees are, and the Red Sox have some very, very good rosters also, but uh, the, the Astros are, are really set up for a nice run to the for the regular season and in the postseason. But yeah, sure, everybody, you know, the A's have had terrible experiences in, in the two wild cards they've been in. Uh, the, so they would love to win the division. It just would be a, a big haul. You know, this is why, you know, again in 2014, the A's made the moves for Samarja and Jason Hamill and uh, obviously John Lester for the postseason, especially Lester, uh, and that didn't that didn't work out. So uh, you know, there's there's no guarantees. That was a wild wind up winds up being a wild card situation too. And they even have the guy on the mound they want in Lester, and, and, and it doesn't work out. They would have been really well set, I think, in a wild card situation with Frankie Montas. So yeah, yeah, Ben, exactly. ben yeah. is much more of that kind of guy and has the track record, uh, you know. But the way that uh, Mike Fires has been pitching, a couple other guys, that, you know, if Lizardo was available and pitching well, Sean Anaya maybe, uh, I think they might feel okay. You know, it's going to come down to cost. That's what it's going to be. Right, now, Farhan right. wants to cut his buddies a little bit of a break, you know, and, and it doesn't, uh, you know, cost them to you know really top flight prospect or two uh you got to think the A's would consider it uh and yeah uh well that's a good transition into you know uh, Farhan and and Bumgarner so um I don't know that he's going to give Bumgarner away even though he is a rental this is one of those situations where uh the Giants could hold on to Bumgarner and if they don't get at least if they don't get at least the equivalent of a first round type prospect they could hold on to Bumgarner uh, and uh, give him the qualifying offer, which will be about eighteen million dollars, which I think he would be worth given the way he's pitching lately. Um, and then just take the draft pick. Now you can't do that with a Will Smith or a Kevin Pillar or uh, you know anybody else like that that you might trade. It's funny that you mentioned Samarja. Uh, it's a good transition as well into the Giants' rotation. Uh, and the Giants' rotation has just uh, if you talk about the the Giants at the first half, that's been a story because. They really haven't been as good as uh, one would have hoped. I think going into the season, the feeling was that the Giants would struggle to hit. Uh, I think that's what the front office knew. But their struggle to pitch really uh, has been a little bit surprising. Bumgarner uh, was not exactly Bumgarner, and if you look at his, uh, you know, his old old school stats, um, you know they're they're not as good as you, as you might as as the old days. Um, Samarja just has really never gotten it together, although he's pitched better lately. And I think one of the stories of the, the Giants first half is that they've really given two youngsters, Tyler Beatty and Sean Anderson, uh, an opportunity. And, and, and as you know, Susan, when you're in a, when you're in a situation where you're not going to win and you're, you're going to start a rebuild, um, or, you know, even if it's a short-term rebuild or a long-term rebuild, um, Progress is measured by how much uh, your young players can actually 
um, get into the the big league roster and actually contribute. And uh, I think the Giants have a keeper in Sean Anderson. He was acquired in the uh, the 2017 deadline deal for for Nunez and and Beattie at you know 24, 2014 first round draft pick has finally started to show signs that he could be a contributor at the age of 26. And, uh, you know, there, there's a pitcher that you know very well, I think, because he was in the A's rotation, Drew Pomerantz, who has just not, has just not cut it for the Giants. Uh, another guy you know well um, is uh, Pat Venditti, the switch pitcher. Um, he's really been in the minor leagues for all but, the, you know, almost the whole season. And then Derek Holland uh, was re-signed for $7 million, and now he's a long reliever. And the reason I brought those three guys up, Derek Holland, Drew Pomerantz, and Pat Venditti were the only three major league free agents that Farhan signed, um, and uh, they, they've all underperformed. And I think that's a story of the first half, although he's brought in a bunch of other guys uh, in, in maybe some subordinate roles uh, that, that have done really well. Um, and I think you know Farhan, Farhan maybe a little bit better than I do. Uh, what, you know, what, do you th- what do you think personality-wise as he's gone in and come into this situation he's he's made a few signings that that haven't worked well and uh you know now all uh, all of a sudden um you know he, he he's had to scramble a little bit 43 players on the Giants roster I believe are 44 players on the Giants roster in the first half you you know Farhan uh, I know you don't know what's going through his head right now but personality wise what would you say well you know he's going to take the long view there but he also likes to tinker. You know, his brain is really active. Uh, I don't want to say he, like, gets bored easily. It's not like he's just, you know, kind of ma- making moves for fun or anything like that. I think everything's done uh, with sort of a long-term view. But I think incremental moves are the way the A's tend to get better. You know, obviously they don't have the big payroll where they can just go out and buy pieces or uh, you know, and the, the Giants farm system might not allow the, the Giants to go out and, and make some big trades in, you know, in terms of getting better. But I think, you know, he was going to look at this trade deadline, I think, very much as what is this going to do down the line? Uh, and I think this is where we, we're going to see, I think, what he brings to the Giants, because I, I think you're right. I think I don't think he's just going to go out and necessarily move Madison Bumgarner just to move him. It's got to make sense. So that's that's going to be really, really fascinating. You know, we've talked about Will Smith. I shouldn't just dismiss Will Smith out of hand because the A's have a closer. You know, remember last year, the A's did bring in two closers in Yuri's Familia and uh, Fernando Rodney. So it, it's not out of the question uh, entirely, uh, but I think those moves, when Farhan makes those, that's where you're going to see. And in the meantime, it's just going to be little incremental things. And sometimes the little incremental things, you know, because they don't cost you a lot, aren't going to necessarily do much and, and are, you know, potentially are, are uh, you know, we're, what we're talking about now, it not as not really yeah, effective yeah. As, as had been hoped. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep bringing up Alex Dickerson, but here's a guy who's a two-plus player, and they got him for basically nothing. And uh, if he if he stays on the field, I mean, this is a guy uh, who's got some sock from the left side that uh, um, you know that uh, I mean, I don't know, the Giants really don't have. I mean, Brandon Belt uh, really has not been the power force that that he ha- has been in the past. He's done a great job of getting on base, but he's actually been their leadoff hitter against uh, right-handed pitching lately and i mean that that to me may be the consummate farhan zaidi move uh looking for undervalued uh players uh who who can uh, help you down the line they're 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 more of lottery tickets and really that's what moneyball was all yeah. about right i mean everybody talks about 
on base percentage and, and analytical stats. But really, Moneyball was just about finding undervalued assets in baseball the way you would find an undervalued stock and buy it and and hope it goes up. Right. right. And yeah. And if you do enough of those, you know, and they're not costing you much and you sift through them. Uh, 2012 with the A's is the, the perfect example. I think everyone knows that Farhan was uh, responsible for, for the A's adding Brandon Moss. Uh, Brandon Moss comes up in May and winds up, you know, being one of the A's top home run hitters that year and, and really a key piece in that drive to the postseason in 2012. But, you know, in, in, spring training he was just one of you know six or seven minor league free agents and they brought in a bunch that the the metrics fit the a's they thought you know hey we might hit on one of these guys they hit on a couple of them and one of them was moss he had a huge season uh, the a's uh, before last season made a very under the radar minor league move to get ramon loriano loriano is now looking like you know one of the better young outfielders in baseball and that was exactly what we're talking about. The A's looked at a system that had tons of outfielders and picked off one they thought had a, a big up potential upside, but who had underperformed the previous year. Those are the sort of things you're going to see Farhan doing. And um, you make you make enough of those, you can wind up with some very useful players. You add three, four useful players that way, you suddenly got yourself maybe a pretty decent roster. Yeah, and with the draft as well. I mean, uh, and I got I got to say right off the bat that. Uh, you know, Bobby Evans' uh, last draft with the Giants, last couple of drafts were much better after after uh, he and John Barr had some some poor drafts. Now you're looking at Joey Barton, Elliot Ramos in the minors, who are, are both could be coming fast. Uh, they have a pitcher named Sean Shelley, who's six eleven. I think he'll be tied for the biggest pitcher in the majors uh, when he gets up here. And you know that he signed some international prospects. That's one thing the A's have done a lot better than the Giants. The international prospects. Uh, they've got Marco Luciano, uh, Mark, Marco Luciano from the Dominican, uh, Alex uh, Canario, uh, and some others. And and I think that Farhan had a draft this past year, which was interesting to us. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if this ever, uh, if this was his modus uh, operandi again. My poor Latin with the A's, but. Um, you know, we, the, the Giants did draft for need with the very first pick uh, in a very hitting-oriented draft. They got a power-hitting left-handed outfielder in Hunter Bishop from Arizona State. But uh, a lot of the other uh, picks the Giants made were just basically trying to boost up the middle talent, just uh, get the best athletes you can, catcher, second base, shortstop, center field, and then and then did it again during the uh, during the international signing period. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, do you recall, I mean, is that something, is that like a Billy and Dave force thing too, where you just, uh, you just see them, um, maybe not go after the best athlete available at, at particular positions, but just try and, you know, uh, is, was that a big thing? The whole up the middle thing? Well, I think that's one of the reasons the A's drafted Kyler Murray first last year. Uh, you know, best, they thought he was the best available athlete in the draft. And as it turns out, he definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he'll be scoring touchdowns for the A's pretty soon. Oh, well, maybe not. So, yeah, I think that's very much the A's, uh, what the A's have been doing the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they used to go out and get somebody, say, like a Cliff Pennington with a high draft pick, you know, a solid college uh, infielder, but not necessarily the most 
overall toolsy kind of guy. Now they're, they're, I think they are really emphasizing athleticism. Uh, and they've been doing that a lot with the international draft. The international draft, they, they uh, overspent a couple of years ago to get Lazarito Armenteros, who's coming up through the system. He's now at Stockton. Um, looks like he could potentially have a, a decent future as a big leaguer. Uh, and uh, they you know, were then sort of under uh, limitation, spending limitations last year. So this year they were back to their full spending amount, and they made one of the biggest splashes in the international draft, uh, signing period with uh, by getting Robert Poisson, who was, uh, I think people might remember a couple of years ago, the Braves got uh, uh, reprimanded for some irregularities right. with international prospects. He was one of them. He was 14 at the time. He's now 16. Oh, good Lord. A 16-year-old shortstop, and, and the A's uh, signed him to a, a deal over $5 million. So I, I think uh, the, the A's are very much focused now on international waters uh, and have been scouting it very well and I think doing a really nice job there. And they're not afraid to go to go big and, and make big splashes there. And, and it's you're exactly right. It is the athletes up the middle, shortstops, center fielders in particular, that the A's have been focused on. Yeah, you know, um, this is interesting. I mean, this—I mean, I didn't really have a preconceived notion of what we're going to talk about. But, you know, talking to you for the perspective of somebody who has known Farhan from a baseball sense a lot longer than I have. I mean, I've known him personally for a long time. Uh, you know, this, this, is, this is quite interesting. And, and I do think that the Giants, um, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, I, I really think that the, the Giants still don't have uh, these guys really at AAA um, except for, I mean, they have some guys at AAA that I hope we will see by the end of the year. And maybe, um, you know, we can uh, wrap this up here by talking a little bit about what we expect to see um, in the second half as we move forward. Um, I mean, let's divide it up into two uh, sections, I think, trades and and um, otherwise. And I think just from a trade standpoint, we've alluded to it. The Giants are, I think, are going to try to get value for their two biggest pieces, Will Smith and uh, Madison Bumgarner. I think they're also uh, going to try and move some lesser pieces to get some organizational depth. They have some guys um, who uh, we've talked about, you know, in the Giants context on on my podcast and in my stories and on social media. Uh, you have guys like you have other two other relievers, Tony Watson and Sam Dyson, who I think are going to be um, very much coveted. Um, you have Kevin Pillar, who you've seen a lot, uh, you know, in the American League, and and he came here, and I mean, he's not a great hitter statistics wise, but um, he all of a sudden has become uh, one of the best uh, run producers the Giants have. You have Joe Panic, who's not had a good year. Um, you know, all of a sudden, you have Stephen Vogt, a guy you know extraordinarily well, who would be a great clubhouse guy, um, and uh, you know, so I think you're going to see a lot of activity. Uh, trade wise, um, I think that uh, if if they could actually swing a bigger deal for for pieces down the down the road involving some of their own controllable players, I think they do it. But I don't know that you're going to see that kind of deal in July. And then from the non trade perspective, Giants wise, um, I think that um, I think what I would hope to see, and what I think the fans would hope to see, is you have a lot of veteran players who who are who are underperforming now. And I and I talk about Drew Pomerantz. Uh, as an example, Mark Melanson in the bullpen, uh, Joe Panic in the infield, who's who's a World Series uh, 2014 World Series ring bearer. I think what we'd like to see maybe is that some of the backups uh, and some of the guys who might be able to help the Giants in the future are given more playing time. Maybe they call up a Connor Menez for the rotation. Maybe they give Donovan Solano more starts at second base. Um, maybe they uh, 
even they bring, I mean, they just brought up Austin Slater, uh, one of your Stanford folk um, with, he said with derision, um, one of one of those Stanford folk who's, who's come up and, um, you know, uh, done a real good job in a short period of time. And I, and I think that, you know, maybe, um, maybe it, it could be a situation where we just see a little bit more of the future to give the fans a little bit more hope for 2019. Um, even though the Giants aren't going to win, they're still going to have to sell tickets in the winter. So um, why don't we um, turn this to the A's? And let me just ask you, first of all, trade deadline, what should we expect? Well, I, I do think the bullpen is going to be the the thrust. Uh, I wouldn't rule out a starter. They, they really don't have any need for position players. Uh, they're, they're pretty well set there. Uh, catcher, catcher was kind of the, the weak spot early in the season and a big question mark. And, and right now they have four pretty decent options there. And when Nick Hundley comes off the IL, they're going to have to make a decision because three of them are out of options. So, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think we'll, we'll probably likely see a, a left-handed reliever added. The guy I would really like to see, you know, Hey, Will Smith would be great uh, if they could do it without giving up too much. But the guy I would really love to see is Sean Doolittle. That might be, might be a little bit of personal bias there. Who, who doesn't want to hey, yeah. have one of the best talkers in the game back, back in the bullpen. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's that's probably going to be the extent of it, and uh, you know it worked it worked very well for them last year. So I, I see maybe the same script this year. Yeah, so that's interesting. The the Giants could actually be more active, but that's really a uh, a symbol of uh, of how how well the A's are put together. Before I ask you about the other uh, part of the second half, I did want to mention I kind of looked up just to be prepared to talk to you, and I saw that the Giants as a team are hitting two forty seven. Isn't that Chris Davis' that is, magic number? That is Chris Davis's magic number, and you know what? We should talk a little bit about Chris Davis. Uh, Let's talk about Chris. Davis. Yeah, um, he you know, obviously he's been extraordinary for the A's for you know more than three years now. Uh, plus the, the hitting two forty seven four years in a row, which is uh, insane. Uh, he is off. There's no doubt about it. You know, since he ran into the wall, making a really, really terrific catch. And, and I want to emphasize that because he gets dinged for his defense. I think a little bit unnecessarily. He's not a bad outfielder. It's just the arm. Uh, makes a great catch, goes into the crowd, bangs his side. And he has not been the same since then. Uh, really? He did spend, you know, a stint on the IL. Uh, and I think he feels a little bit better, but I don't know if he's pressing uh, or if he's just out of sorts or if something maybe is still uh, an issue there with his, you know, the oblique, the hip, the side, whatever. That's certainly, as people know from a power hitter, you are generating that power. Absolutely. Torque. And when there's something going on there, hip, side, oblique, anywhere in there, it's going to make it a little more difficult. Uh, I suspect, I am not a doctor, that maybe there's something to do with that. Uh, or maybe it's just that he is trying so hard he has not homered uh, since the 18th. Uh, he's, got, he's just got a, a couple since the injury. And uh, he looks out of sorts. You know, he's still contributing. He's, you know, he drove in a run. Uh, the A's first game in Seattle. He's he's uh, especially when there's runners on base. You know he's picking up hits here and there, and uh, he's so important to the team. They are still winning despite the fact that he is not showing a lot of power, which I, I think is uh, you know very encouraging for the A's. But they are going to need him to be the guy they expect him to be in the second half. And uh, well, is there is there another is there another option for DH if they wanted to rest him a little more? Well, um, not. Not really. Uh, you know, they could uh, they could work some of their other uh, uh, other regulars in there on occasion, but especially with Stephen Piscotty out for probably a good month, uh, that is you know 
that's good. They need, they need Chris Davis to be Chris Davis. And, uh, he's just not right now. And I couldn't tell you what's going on. Uh, he, he's, he's just out of sorts. He's off. I don't think he could tell you what's going on, whether it's pressing or, or maybe something physical or, or mechanical. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think becoming potentially a growing concern. It's being, you know, a little bit in the background because they've been winning. Yeah, well, you know, if the Red Sox fall out of it, there's always JT Mar. Okay, no, I won't go there. Um, so, yeah, just to conclude, uh, what are you looking for in the second half, just in general generalities for the A's? Well, they need to have a second half much like they had last year. They need to keep winning series, which they've been doing here for about a month. Uh, and that's exactly uh, the way they did things last year. They need Chris Davis to be Chris Davis. They could add a little bit in the bullpen. And the rotation, which has been, I think, maybe overperforming given expectations. Uh, they're they're going to have to keep keep doing that and hope to get guys like Minaya and Lazardo into it. So, and, and you know what? When it comes to the bullpen, at some point the, the A's might be adding A.J. Puck and Jarrell Cotton, which will be interesting. So they might even look at it as like, hey, we don't have to go out and do anything super splashy from a bullpen standpoint because we could have a, a big le- dominating lefty A.J. Puck throwing an inning or two here and there and, and uh, you know, a, a right-hander with a nasty little change-up coming out of the bullpen okay well um i think that uh i think it's fair to say that nine games over 500 uh it's good at this point they probably will need to be a little better than that to to make the playoffs i think the giants if they could somehow get to 500 by the end of the season uh after they potentially trade uh madison bumgarner and will smith it would be considered a great success um, I think uh, I believe I believe there are people who watch both teams, and I've I've heard from some of them. So um, I think it'll be a fascinating second half for both teams. And Susan, I want to uh, thank you for joining me on this joint podcast, and uh, maybe we'll do it again after the trade deadline. I think that's a great idea. Maybe I think we, you and I might be talking some during the trade deadline. I think you know I could. Yeah, see that's it. true. That's true. We'll we'll have we'll keep the dialogue going. That would be epic. All right. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Henry. Thank you for listening. You know Susan and I will have a lot more podcasts as we move into the second half. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe.